Can you have your Bibles this morning? Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Starting at verse 6. It's a verse that you've read many times, heard many times. And this is the, the run-up into the preceding word for us. <clears throat> for unto us a child is born. For unto us. To who? To us. To us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. And he will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty is going to accomplish this. There's many, many qualities <clears throat> and absolutes in that scripture. We have, a, we have a son, we have a king, we have a kingdom. We have a rule. We have a reign. There is righteousness. There's justice. There's peace. There's increase. All these dimensions are flowing out of this one person they call the Christ. Yes? However, at this point of prophetically declaring this, they're declaring a child. Unto us... A child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Unless a child is born, a son cannot be given. Yes? So what's birthed in you and what you give from what's been birthed are two different things. So when Christ's birth is seed into you, when you begin to serve God, you don't, begin to serve God at the level because as you mature and you learn some things, you begin to upgrade very quickly, don't you? <clears throat> and you begin to serve from a different position. God so loved the world that he gave what? He gave a son. Though a child was born, God gave his son to the world. He didn't give his child to the world, he gave his son. So from the child to the son, there's got to be maturity. Amen? So as you come as a child in the kingdom of God, the Bible says unless you come like a little child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you come as a child, but you serve as a son. Does that make sense? You serve as a son. And why? Because... God only recognizes in the kingdom sons. He actually frowns upon immature children. He does not like immature children. He only deals with sons. And who are the sons? The ones who do his will. So God isn't interested in children when you should be a son. But God's interested in children when the children come into the kingdom. Because that's the posture you need to take to enter the kingdom. And you need to have that, the attitude sometimes as, as a child in, in, its, in order, should say, in the context of its humility. But in the maturity, you must become a son. You cannot stay a child in the kingdom. It's amazing how many believers 
have been Christians for many, many years, but they are still children. But they want to be treated as a son, but they act like a child. What does a child do? Every time a child does not get its own way, it throws its toys, as we say here in Manchester, it throws its toys outside of the pram or the kid's trolley. It's a tantrum, and a tantrum is a childish behavior. And we all have it from time to time. Amen? But from time to time, how many times you have of throwing your toys at the pram will determine your childlessness or you're just having a bad day. True? So unless a child is born, a son cannot be given. This year is a year for you to be a son. Stop being a child. God has to bring childish ways to an end. Hello? Look to the person at the side of him and say, he's talking about you. Childish ways have to come to an end. That's in every one of us. Every one of us, childish ways have to come to an end. Now, in order for God to bring your childish ways to an end, he has to use people, and he uses his own word and his own voice. Amen? Unless a child are born... A son cannot be developed. See that baby there? That baby's a child. But at some point, there's going to be an expectation on this child to grow. And mature. True? You see, it's a good, good analogy, this baby being on the front row for me. He's taking milk. That's so... Typical of you as a believer, there's a period where you take milk and desire milk. Look at him, the way he's eating that milk. He's not letting go. But there's going to come a time when someone's going to shove a Farley's rusk in his mouth. And then there's going to become a time when someone might put some bread and they might change that what's soft and it starts developing his teeth and his gums. And then he says, don't want that, give me a burger. I don't want a burger, give me a steak. And now he's developing. Yes? A son is now developing. But here's the thing. Unless a child is born and a son is developed, the kingdom has nothing to rest on. Unless a child is born, one phase. A son is given, two phase. Not two phased. Second phase. The kingdom needs something to rest on. And the kingdom rests on sons and daughters. This is why you must become a son and a daughter. And how do you become a son and daughter? Is by being developed by the Holy Ghost, by His Word. Amen? Now, Jesus, upon His uh, resurrection, sorry, upon His death, there comes a point when He says to His disciple, Go and Go down that street and there will be a donkey that's tied up. This donkey is a virgin donkey. It's never been used. And when you go there, if the master asks you, just says, or the owner asks you, just tell him the master has need of it. And Jesus was using his prophetic word of knowledge and his insight to tell the disciples, arrangements has already been made for my next phase. Well, did you ever meet this guy? No, but God is able to speak to the owner of this donkey. Individually, privately. 
So, and God had put the code word inside this man, the owner of the donkey. So when the disciple says the master needs it, that, that's the code word that says, yes, give it him. Now, the issue is this. Many of you are tied up. Tied up by the wrong things. Tied up by the constraints, limitations, and containment. And many of you have been waiting for the word to come to you so that you can be used. But the problem is, will you allow the word to untie you? If you are the cult, and everyone says, I'm the cult, yes, I want to ride, I want to be able to carry Jesus. I want to be able to be used of God. But if you're tied up in your thinking and in your behavior and your attitudes, then it's going to take a different thought and a different word and a different person to come and help untie you so that you can be used for the master's service. You're young, you're strong, you've got a lot of energy, you're willing, but you're still tied up nonetheless. You hear me? There's going to come a point when your main strength is going to pass you by. Your days for adventure, wild adventure, will pass you by. And you will get so bogged down with other things that the moment an opportunity for you to serve will pass you by. Why? Because at that point you'll be so tied up with responsibilities that your greatest days to serve the Lord will pass you by. That is a frightening thing. And then you'll quote, well, he'll restore to me the years the locusts have eaten. Go and do it and let's see it. One thing you can never return is wasted time. Now, God can bring things back to your life and give you second opportunities, but he can't restore the time that's lost. Hello? God just doesn't do magic. God's not magic. God's not a magician. I do believe God restores what's been lost. But there's always consequences, my friend. I, God can't just give me 20 years back. So the point is, will you allow someone to untie you so that the kingdom can rest on you? So that, so that you can carry the things of God. Jesus is waiting to put his wisdom, his grace, his knowledge. He's waiting, he's waiting and wanting to put the weight of the kingdom on you. Hello? So that you can carry the next move of God. The next move of God in that particular situation was, as Jesus rode on the donkey, the disciples and all the other people started to sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. My friends, who knows whether the streets will be ready to celebrate your coming. Blessed is he, blessed is she, blessed are they who comes in the name of the Lord. We've been waiting for you. In the kingdom, the kingdom cannot rest on you. If the kingdom cannot rest on you, then God cannot be exalted through you. If the kingdom cannot rest on you, then the kingdom cannot be exalted through you. And as a result, you will not be able to present him and represent him well. It's very important. This kingdom needs a vehicle. 
You are the vehicle. You are the vehicle. Let's take this scripture a little bit further. If God cannot be exalted through you, there ultimately will be no increase of his government. Think about it. If God cannot be exalted through your life, then the increase of his government through your life will never be seen. Yeah? And there will be an absence of increase and peace in your life. An absence of increase and peace. Why? Because the kingdom could not rest on you. Other worries of this world are resting on you. And the worries of this world, the concerns of this world, bring anxiety. All Christians who get depressed and get anxious, get anxious because of worldly issues. It's true. That's why Jesus says, I give you peace. Not like this world. You can't comprehend the stuff I do because it's by the supernatural power of God that I can bring rest to you in the midst of a storm. But if you're concerned by the worries of this world and the, 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 deceitness, the deceitfulness of wealth and things like, you know, there's three loves. Think of this. Three loves that the Bible tells us not to have. And these three loves will bring you down faster than the Titanic. Number one is the love of the world. Yes? Don't create that love. Number two is a love of pleasure. The Bible has a lot to say about Christians who, have, who love pleasure. That doesn't mean say we can't have fun. That's not what he's saying. Number three is, do you know what it is? Selfishness. Self-centeredness. They're full of themselves. Self-ambition. Now is drive and ambition bad? No. But if it consumes you, right. These are the things that will create anxiety, stress, depression. These are the things that will tie you up. And though you have all the potential, and though God's word can come to you, and, it, and you can have prophetic words and all these things, the, base, the bottom line is you're still tied up. And it needs somebody, God sent his disciple to tell the master. So there has to be a messenger of God who comes to you, who carries the code, the word, to untie you. But there has to be a willingness on your side to let go so that the donkey can then be edit, uh, sorry, put towards the move of God. I'm not calling you donkeys. I'm using the analogy. Yes? So this... This anxiety and this concern and this, for, and this love for selfishness, the, wor- uh, the, the ki- things of this world and for selfish ambition, these are the things that the Bible says, no people's going to inherit the kingdom with these traits. So therefore, if you can't inherit the kingdom, you can't carry the kingdom. This is where we have to guard our hearts from these things. You know, there'll still be bills to pay this year. Sorry to bear that bad news. And here's some more news. You might not like this. Those, be- those bills are like the kingdom. They increase. And then again, a bill is like the kingdom. 
it seems that they have no end. Yes? And again, it's like the kingdom. They have legal rights. And justice will be served upon you if you don't pay. True? If God cannot be exalted through you, then ultimately there will be no increase of his government coming upon you, meaning there will be an absence of peace upon your life. Another one. If there's no increase, there can be no new territory. Increase of God's government takes new territory. The Bible says that there is no boundaries, no limitations to where this kingdom can go. Yes? The whole world is full of God's glory. So there is no place on earth where God's glory cannot be seen. Even in Islamic regimes, even in communistic regimes, even in humanistic ideals, there is no place, no barrier that is too strong to push back God's kingdom and stopping it from, from being seen. It will be, it will be fought against, but it will also be seen. And that's why when it's fought against, you and I must hold our ground. Amen? Luke 22, verse 28 says, You are those who have stood by me in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my Father conferred on me. So this is a point of transfer. The baton, the legacy. Jesus is saying to his disciples, because you've stood with me, because you've proved because you've, because you've become the cult that allowed me to ride and declare this message because you stood by me, you went through trials thick and thin, I am now conferring on you a kingdom. Just as my father put it on me, I am now transferring it onto you. So you become the cult now carrying me. But this time, where I rose on the donkey and everyone could physically, visibly see me, now I'm, I'm the, you're going to carry the invisible me to make me known. Does that make sense? So even though we don't have Jesus physically present, we have him present. Why? Because he's in us. He said, I'll go with you. I'll not leave you. I'll send the Holy Ghost. And if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got Jesus. You've got his father. You've got access to all things. Why? Because as long as we keep partaking of the divine nature, we have all his nature. So he says, just as my father conferred, conferred on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on the throne judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So there is an exchange taking place. Even this year, there's going to be a divine exchange taking place. More of his kingdom is coming to your life. As you stand with him, as you stand in your trials, as you stand firm in your individual battles of which there will be, they will come, as you stand, and even though you feel perturbed and, and you feel you've been destabilized from time to time, stand all, having done all things, stand. And God says, as you stand, you show you're an example to me that this kingdom can be conferred on you. That you're worthy of this kingdom. And that you can be assured that 
You will eat and drink in the future. You'll sit at that table at the wedding banquet of the Lamb. And you will partake of all the riches of what the Bible tells us is ours. Amen? So God's government, let me give you a number, a point here. God's government must be established in the right place. Where's that right place? You. Here. You and here. This is where God's kingdom needs to be established, right within your life, right within this church. Why? Because they're the two things that you're involved in. You're involved in you, and you're involved in this church. They're the two things God's interested in, God's involved in. God's involved in you, God's involved in us. Amen? They're the two things Christ died for. He cried for you, and he, and he died for his church. Amen? The people. He died for the people. The body of Christ. Amen? Now, I'm sure you like this scripture from Psalm 139, verse 15. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in the book before ever any one of them came to be. These, these plans and purposes that you have for me were written in the book long before I came. Why were they written in the book? Because your eyes saw my unformed body. Right from day one, right from the moment you decided to create the heavens and earth, even before that. Because God's always existed, God always existed. And because God always existed, his plan and purpose always existed. And my mind can't go any further than that. But here's the issue. Because you always, you always existed in the heart and mind of God, God always had a plan for his kingdom to come to you. But you had a choice. But God opened up your heart to see it and accept it. Amen? Why? Because God knows that the kingdom, the government, must be established in the right place. See, the kingdom must have government. So what we have on, on, on this earth is we have a lot of kingdoms who have all kinds of governments. True? United Kingdom has a government. It's a, it's a democratic government. Amen? Well, that's one king, one example. The trouble is with the church today is that she talks kingdom, but in many people's lives there is an absence of government. There are big churches, small churches who talk about kingdom, but the government is the issue. Why? Because the government sets the patterns, the principles, and the protocols for accurate enforcement. True? If your family does not have government, you can stand up all day long and declare the kingdom, but it, nothing will happen. Why? The kingdom and government are inseparable. Your family needs government. It needs government. And I don't mean just somebody in charge. It means spiritual government, spiritual leadership, spiritual wisdom. 
spiritual principles governing the house. Come on. The problem is, is when you bring so many different kinds of people and so many different cultures into one house, they've all been individually raised by their own families. And all those families have had different kinds of families and different, some have had no government, some have had an over, what's the word? An overbearing form of government. So if we work to the lowest common denominator, we're going to be in trouble. So what we have to do is bring God's principles, his patterns, and his protocols into the house, and everybody has to come to this pattern. Why? You say, well, that's not my culture. And I would say, absolutely right. It's not my culture. But guess what? We are neither male or free. Sorry, we're neither female, we're neither Jew or Gentile, we're neither alien, slave, but we are free. And the point is, is that in God's house, it's all these many-membered people become one body. It's not about culture, it's about one body. And that body then develops its culture. And that culture must be kingdom and government. Because kingdom and government, when those two things are together, then there will be no end. It's only when kingdom and government come together, is that we become unstoppable. Never talk about kingdom without government. You must have accurate, aligned government in the house. True? See, John became a voice in the wilderness. And John declared the kingdom of God. But John didn't carry the government of God. Jesus carried the government. John carried the kingdom, a sound of the kingdom. He was a voice crying in the desert. But Jesus gave government to his apostles. And what happened was there was a time and a crossover where John began to say, I'm not worthy to untie this man's feet. Dada, who is this man? And then he sees him and goes, behold, the Lamb of God. Now, the moment he declares, behold, the Lamb of God, he says, John's disciples left him. John's disciples left him and went over to Jesus. Why? He said, because you're entering the kingdom, you're carrying the kingdom, but here's kingdom and government. They recognized there was a whole... There was far much more than just... Now, here's the real thing. Now, you've shown us the real thing. Blessed be God, John, for all that you've done, but you're no longer needed. So now, John, you've got a ministry called rejection. But that was John fulfilling his role. But now they progressed, and so must you. You must always gravitate to government. One of the things that people like about the UK, for all its faults... For all its faults, there are many, many faults in the UK. And even this strength I'm going to describe to you is full of faults. And what our strength is our government. Why? Because it's been stable. It's a stable government. The Houses of Parliament has been stable for hundreds of years. It's one of the oldest democracies in the world. It's not the oldest, it's one of. And she's called the mother of all parliaments. She's not the mother because there was two before us. However, she has got a wonderful history of government and leadership. But that is fulled and riddled with faults. But in our kingdom, heavenly kingdom, we don't have one on the throne who has faults. 
The problem is the faults are in the ones he trusts. Why? Because it's flesh and blood at the end of the day. So even though I may trust and may put some trust in you, you're still a horse and chariot. Can, does the, you understand that phrase? You're still, you're still a man. You're still developed. You're still developing. But if I trust in God, I can trust in God, but I can't bypass government on the earth. I've got to put some trust in government. I trust our government. I don't always have faith in my government, but I trust my government. Does that make sense? That's why I pray for Theresa May. Lord, if anything has ever shown us, when I came to this church and told you that we need to keep on praying about Brexit, has, has God's word not been proved? They don't know what they're doing, right? Because they've never been this way before. However, God, it was always about bringing us to a crossroad moment so we can ask what the good way is. We're asking, the church must stand up and ask God what is the good way. And we must, in some ways, cover them, protect them. Why? I am, my faith is not in Theresa May. But my trust, I thank God that I can, have, I can sleep at night not thinking our government's going to topple. I don't fear at night that the military are all of a sudden going to start, we're going to see tanks running down our street. Amen? So there is an element of stability in our nation. And when there's a time of peace, you build. Amen? However, so many people are looking to transition from John into the government. So many people need that government, are looking for that government. If you can carry the government of God... People are attracted to a government. You could have a Trump government. Or you can have many forms of government. When Donald gets on that tweet, <laughs> Donald can say anything. Yeah. He's the first time. It's the worst thing they could have ever done is give that president a phone. Because <laughs> he says some outlandish things. And I just love the way it goes. It's going to be great. It's going to be fantastic, folks. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to be great. I don't know who Donald's faith is in. But it's a, it's a very strange scenario. Anyway, I progress. So God's government needs a place. Amen? Give me another one. Let me give you another one. God's government brings increase. And with increase, lack and scarcity are gone. Hello? The greatness of the people within the dream center will increase. Oh, well, thank you for that. The greatness of the people inside the dream center will increase. I prophesy to you that if you get a hold of this government, lack will go. Lack will go. Poverty will go. Why, I'm not promising you if you give me a hundred pounds today that God's going to give you a thousand. Did I ask for your money? Did I promise you, did I say any magic? If you give a hundred, you'll get a thousand. Do I need your money? How do you know? How do you know if I need your money? The issue is, I'm not asking for it. Why? 
Because that's not, I want to give you a promise and hope. I don't want to, you to have to exchange something in order to get. Now, there will be times when that needs to happen. And at that time, that needs to happen. But let's just deposit a government this morning. Government means principles, patterns, and protocol. Patterns. How does the word, what does the word say about this? What are the principles of what that pattern teaches? And what is the protocol? What is the behavior expected? Amen? The kingdom has to have those three things. Many Christians want protocol, but they have no principles and patterns. Then other Christians have principles, but no patterns and no protocols. Or they call it concepts. And most of the concepts are worldly. So you really have no principles then, do you? My principle is, is not to compromise my principles. Does that make sense? My principle is not to compromise a godly pattern, a godly principle, and a godly protocol. Why? Because I, one of my values is to protect the government of God in my life and in the house. Yes? So I declare to you that if you grab hold of this word this year, the preceding word that's coming, the word that's already come to you, the word that's coming to you. So the word that's already come, the word that's already established you to this point, and the word that will continue to establish you, if you grab hold of this word and work with this word and let this word work with you, I prophesy to you, poverty will leave your house. Poverty will leave your house. Poverty will leave your house. Now, what's poverty? Is poverty having no money? No. You can have all the money in the world and have a poor mindset. Now, poverty can be you have no no money and have nothing to eat and nowhere to live and all those kind of things and all those are real and we cannot just dismiss them with the one scripture. Nor should we. But poverty, you can be rich but yet poor. And you can be poor and rich. The widow gave out of what she had but the others gave out of their wealth and Jesus says, see her? What she's done will be known, will be spoken about. Why? Because she gave out of her little. They gave out of what they've, the surplus. Hello? So, the Bible says in Isaiah 40, 31, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They're going to soar on wings like eagles. They're going to run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That doesn't sound like a poverty, a man in poverty. That sounds like a man who's rising. Amen. That's a scripture for us. Those who hope in the Lord and in his government, the Lord will renew their strength. What little strength you've got this year, thank God you've still got some. God will renew it as you begin to hold on to his government. Yes. They'll soar on wings. If I could ask you to do anything, is love the government of God. Wear it like a garment. It will protect you. The government of God, whenever you go into a church, whenever you listen to messages, whatever, look for the government. Because it's only the government of God that establishes people. It's not fancy messages. Seriously, it's not. Messages bless. And messages, so many people are promising you this hundredfold stuff. Now, it's not the hundredfold, I believe in the principle, but not the way so many teach it. 
or preach it. And so many people are doing things for the moment, hoping that they're just going to get blessed because they give something. Live for something, not just give. Live for something. Establish Christ inside your heart. Establish His government. And there will be no end. Because God's attracted to government. God's not attracted to a church that has no government. Because he gave his apostles and prophets as the government to establish the foundation, Christ. And on that foundation, build around that foundation, upon that foundation, through that teaching. Amen? Love government, church. Love it with all your heart. God is sat there on a the throne. There's government in the heavens. There's order. There's principles. There's practice. There's protocol. There's patterns. All those angels know how to function. The ones who didn't were kicked out. And that's why the ones who got kicked out are unruly. The liars, they create havoc. And what they do is they join forces with earthly governments to create chaos. But there is no chaos in heaven. Amen? There will be no poverty. I declare it to you. If you build around government. Let me give you another point. God doesn't rule from everywhere. He rules from his throne. God does not rule from everywhere. God rules from his throne. The scepter of his throne. That's our headquarters. The throne room of God is the church's headquarters. It's not your denominational headquarters. It's not even Malaysia. Our headquarters is the throne. Because that's where the government and the courts of heaven reside, in the heavens. That's where the word is spoken from the heavens to the earth. And when it speaks to the earth, he speaks to the prophets first. Why? Because they're government. And then the prof- from the prophet's mouth, he then speaks it into the body of Christ. Hope, and where there is government, they will build that word and then increase comes. Does that make sense? It starts in the heavens. Why? Because the earth is meant to be a pattern of the heavens. Stable government is in heaven. No one's ever going to topple the government in heaven. You're never going to see in the streets of gold tanks coming down the street. You're not going to see Satan trying to get back in there and and banish it and turn it over. That's a kingdom that cannot be destroyed. And if it's destroyed, Jesus will do it himself. No one else can do it. It's impenetrable. It's unstoppable. Amen? Welcome to Zion. The dwelling place. It's the government of God. (laughs) So God doesn't rule from everywhere. He rules from his throne. So position yourself with Christ. So that you can rule from this secure position. Amen? Psalm 119.9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? That's a very good question. And I'm a young man, so I'm still asking that question. By live according to your word is the answer. I seek you with all my heart. So the first thing you want to establish yourself in Christ, seek him with all your heart. Number two, don't stray from his commands. Number three, can I give it to you? Hide yourself, sort of hide his word in your heart. Hide his word in your heart. 
so that you don't sin against him. Amen? Number four, pray, Lord, teach me your decrees. See, that's a government. Teach me your decrees. Don't just teach me the word, teach me the decrees. Teach me what to speak out. Teach me the government. Teach me where the authority lies. Teach me where the power resides. Teach me how to change. Teach me how to change my environment. You do that through a governmental decree. From the scepter of his throne. Amen? Do you want another one? With your lips, learn to recount all the word from your mouth. Learn to speak what's coming from your mouth. Speak it out. Get it out. Get it into the airways. Get it into the atmosphere so no negativity is filling and invading your heart. Amen? Speak it out. Let this be a year of confession. Do you want another one? Rejoice in the statues of God. Rejoice in the, in, in the ways of God. As one in great riches. As one rejoice in great riches. Do you want another one? Meditate. Think about what he's saying to you. Meditate on his precepts and consider his ways. This will help us establish a life in Christ. And the last one is, delight in his decrees and don't neglect his word. Don't neglect the word. I think I've given you about seven there. Psalm 119 verse 9 to 15, to, it's to 16 Read that scripture. Establish yourself around that word. That will position you in his throne because God does not rule from everywhere. He rules from his throne. And if you're seated in Christ, then guess where you're seated? In heavenly places. So you're with Christ and that's where Christ rules. That's your headquarters. Amen? Can I give another one? I'm going to close down in a minute. God's government is established inside of his own house through prophetic apostolic doctrine. Why do we need apostolic prophetic doctrine? Because of the reason I shared with you just a minute ago. If God speaks in heaven, from the heavens first, the Bible to Amos 3.7, or is it 7.3, one, one of the two, I think it's 3.7, says, surely God not, does nothing on the earth unless until he first speaks to his prophets. That's one level. Watch this, watch. God speaks, that's one level. But what God speaks in heaven, God's having a conversation now, but you don't know it. Right, there are some conversations God could not have with you, but he has to have with a prophet. Okay? Why? Because a prophet is government. Doesn't mean to say you can't go in the throne room, you've got access. But there's some conversations that God's having with me that he's not having with you. True? He's having different conversations with all of us. Right. So God speaks. That's one level. Level two. He now finds a prophet on the earth. Level two. Now from God speaking to the prophet, time is ticking. You got this? From the prophet now speaking it out on the earth, that's level three. From the prophet speaking it out on the earth, that's more of the time being ticked. For you and I hearing that word, that's more time. That's level four. But then hearing it and doing it is another level. 
Amen? Do you know that, can, that five years, ten years of your life can pass by? From God speaking it to you doing it, it's a long time sometimes. So that's why he says, whenever you hear the word, hear you as an ear. Let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Why? Because God speaks to the church and through the church, you hear. Why? Because when God speaks like that, that's government speaking. When God speaks to you personally, that's your relationship with God speaking. But when God wants to speak to his church, he does it through government. Amen? So the reason, that's why we need prophetic, apostolic doctrine, so we can hear what God is saying, and then we can do it on the earth. That is a process in itself. But once that word comes, you and I have got no excuse. Now, God is kind, God is merciful. Please repeat that with me. God is kind, God is merciful. Now put another caveat in there, to me. And what does that mean? That means, and the word of the Lord came again. But every time it comes again, more time is lost. And in all that time, increase is not coming. We're static. Yes? So the word comes to us so that we can increase. There's a word coming to you next week. That's going to bring increase. The issue is, how well can you hear it? And how well can you act on what you hear? Hello? Because if your independence and your individual agenda is always going to cut short what God wants to do, then peace and increase cannot come to your territory. Is this helping? This government is strong. It would have been so easy this morning to just say, oh God, we've got visions for you, God's got plans for you, oh bless you. Uh, no, 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 you know that's not me. You've left me for two weeks. You've left me all alone for two weeks in the office and me and God have had some good fun. Now I've not pushed into God as much as I should have and would have and wanted to, but that's my fault. But I've been around the things of God, albeit... I didn't get to the place I wanted to go to. But I've surely, when you leave me alone, my mind starts working and I tip type away. And when I type, boy, can I type. <coughs> Anybody who gets my letters, notes, or anything knows. <laughs> Tony can type. So we know God's, you see, in Acts 2.42, when they devoted themselves, what did they, what did they devote themselves to? To the apostles teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles and there was no lack amongst them why because government was in the midst can you see that this is why i have to give my heart to this this apostolic word i am not saying i am an apostle but I have apostolic DNA in my heart that's been given to me from my spiritual dad. Amen? An accurate government brings order, not chaos and disorder. You know, before this house went into an apostolic 
dimension, there was chaos and disorder running rife in this house. Little did I know that the battles I was facing in those days was to, dis was to establish government and order. Righteous government. Now, I'm not saying the men weren't righteous. I'm not saying that at all. But there was disorder and chaos. And there was battles for positions. He wanted, she wanted, they wanted the governmental role without having a governmental mantle. So when you've got charismania, wanting government, you're in trouble. You don't make a politician, you don't, you don't bring somebody into government who hasn't got the stature of a politician. Yes? This always makes me, makes me um, laugh when I see these actors becoming governors in America. I just think, why would you go into that domain? Stay out of it. Now they're talking about Dwayne, what's he called? The Rock? Dwayne Johnson running for president. Please give me a break. Is he, look, if you want him to fight the Russians or Kim Jong, yeah, send him. But if you want him to run your country, stay out of it, son. It's not your world. But he sure would make Kim Jong run, wouldn't he? Kim Jong run. I don't want to make Kim Jong run. <laughs> Last one. God's government brings zeal to get the job done. <clears throat> so what is the evidence upon your life of God's government? There is a zeal to get the job done. You can tell me you can tell me you're yellow, you can tell me you're white, you can tell me your government, you can tell me all night. But if I don't see a zeal of God upon you to get the job done, all you are is a man telling everybody what you think you are. The fruit, the fruit of a kingdom, the fruit of a government and a kingdom together in a person's life is there must be a zeal to get the job done. If there's one thing I don't see in much of today's believers is the zeal to get the job done. There is such a self-interest to bless me. Much of the messages I hear being preached in churches today is given the congregation self-help. Now, self-help is a reflection of self-centeredness. You establish people in Christ. That doesn't mean to say we can't talk and give advice on other areas. But we establish people on Christ. Why? Because that's the nature. The new nature needs developing. But there are many, many other things we can talk about in church. But we talk about them just to give wisdom and understanding, not to establish someone in Christ. That's a different, that's a different word. If Phil wants to talk to you about finance and business or other people in this church, we can talk to you about business and finance. But if he wants to talk to you about kingdom, he's going to have to establish the Christ first. But if you want to talk about business, then we've got wisdom and people in this church who can talk to us and you and me about business. But if the moment you say, I want to be a kingdom businessman, whoa, whoa, stop, right, throw everything you've learned to one side for a second and let us bring Christ in first because everything must evolve around Christ. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. 
Most, say, most Christians who run a business say, I'm a Christian businessman. No, you're not. You're a Christian who runs a business. A Christian businessman is something completely different. Different beast. I see a Christian businessman here. And there are others. I see that. Why? Because Christ is his first and foremost thought. He wants to be God's pockets. The issue is this. I see zeal on people in this house to get the job done. But I'd love to see a lot more. So the government of God is coming to you this year. More and more. Amen? Amen. The government of God is coming to you. We are not preaching self-help messages, but there will be a lot of help for you, for yourself. There's a difference. We're not preaching self-help messages, but we're preaching messages that will help you and yourself. Okay? Because we're going to establish Christ. So let's stand to our feet, if we will. (coughs) So the scripture I gave you right at the beginning, Isaiah. Let me just go back to the second and we'll pray this scripture over our lives this morning. Isaiah, chapter 9. I want you to make it personal if you can, without distorting this word, because we know the context of this word. It was talking of a future event that God, Jesus Christ, would build on the throne of David, and he would establish it so there was a throne and a government already on the earth, and Jesus, David was a pattern of Jesus. Amen? So for unto me a child is born, and unto me a son was given. Yes? And his government will rest on my shoulders. Amen? It will rest on my shoulders. And I will call him wonderful. And I will, he will be my counselor. He is the mighty God. He's my everlasting father. He is the prince of peace. And on this government, on the increase of this government and peace, there will be no end in my life. There will be no end to my life. There will be no end in my life. And he will reign on David's throne. And I will build this kingdom and I will uphold it with justice and righteousness for as long as I live on this earth. And the zeal of the Lord will help me to accomplish this. Amen? Can you pray that with me this morning? Get your Bible, let's open this, Isaiah. Well, we're not praying parrot fashion here, but we're just praying Make it personal to yourself. I'm not going to lead you in a prayer, but I'm going to lead us in a prayer. You pray what's pertinent to you. Amen? Does that make sense? You interpret it as you feel it's right to be interpreted. But I know unto me a child has been born and a son was given. And his government's going to be upon my shoulders. And I hope it's going to be on your shoulders. I hope it's going to be carried on this house, the shoulders of this house. Amen. So let's all begin to pray in the name of Jesus. For unto me, Lord, a child is born. Lord, unto me, a son was given. Father, and your government is going to be upon my shoulders. Father, give me the strength. Give us the strength. Give this house the strength for this government to rest upon the shoulders of its people. Father, and, and, and you're going to call, I'm going to call you wonderful. This will be a year, Lord, where your, your wonderfulness, your, your majesticness, 
majesty and all those things, Lord. I'm go- they're going to be on my mouth, Lord. They're going to be in my mouth. They're going to be upon my tongue. I'm going to recite the verses of the king. Lord, I'm going to declare your majesty, your wonders. You will be my counselor. You are the mighty God. You are an everlasting father. And you are the prince of peace. And you will be the peace in my household. Father, and on this increase of your government upon my shoulders, and there will be peace in my household and there will be no end to it. Father, you will reign on David's throne. And I will join you with you, O God, because I'm seated and connected in heavenly places. Father, help me to establish and uphold your kingdom this year with justice and righteousness. And Father, I pray, O God, by the help of the Holy Ghost, that the zeal of the Lord will help me accomplish this. It's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. And I pray, oh God, that the spirit of the sovereign law will help me accomplish this declaration this morning. Let the zeal of the Lord (coughs) sweep across this house. Sweep across your people. Let the zeal of the Lord fill us. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us, oh God. With your zeal. Oh, Father. Oh, mighty God. Oh, God, let the zeal of the Lord fill us. Fill us, oh God. Oh, Father, right now, let the zeal of the Lord. Let the zeal of the Lord. Oh, Rabababa Kiriandarabasiriendi. Siduriende la baba bakarianda. Shibara baba bakarianda. Lindo rorudie darababa siriende de baba karianda. Zeal of the Lord. Shundolo bobo bokuria daraba siriende. Tarababa bakarianda rama shiriende. Sutoro bobo bokuria darama sataranda. The zeal of God, the zeal of God, the zeal of God. Mighty God, mighty God. Come on church, push in, push in. Let the zeal of the Lord, say Lord, let the zeal of the Lord flow like a river in this house. Let it fill every vessel. Let it fill every vessel. Every vessel. Fill every vessel. The zeal of the Lord. Shira baba baba kariandara masiriende. Shidoro bobo sidiriandara mama makarianda. Shidara baba bakarianda. Shuriandara ma. Increase my zeal, O oh God. Increase. Increase my zeal for you, O oh God. My, my zeal to serve you, to, to know you, to pray deeper, stronger, clearer, more accurately. Increase the zeal of the Lord upon my life. <coughs> it's almost like a spear is coming into your hand. The more the zeal of the Lord comes upon you, the more, listen... The more the zeal of the Lord comes upon you, the more significant the armor of God comes. 
the more zeal, the more the zeal comes upon you. I, I don't know if, if this illustration comes to my mind as I'm, I'm praying, and it's like the movie I saw in Iron Man. I'm sorry for using Hollywood, but that's what comes to me. And I see as he goes to battle, this armor comes to him. And as it comes to him, he just walks. And as he's just walking, the armor just literally connects to him. It finds him. He doesn't have to stop. He doesn't have to break stride. If you've never seen the movie, I'm sorry. But as he's just walking, the armor, it's a science fiction movie, so don't worry about it. The armor just finds him. And before you know it, he's covered in this impenetrable piece of armor. And and now it allows him to go and do all kinds of things. And it's like the Lord saying, as the zeal of the Lord, as you keep on walking with me, the armor of God will come upon you. The zeal of the Lord will help you accomplish mighty things. The helmet of salvation will all of a sudden become even more significant. The shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, the belt of truth, the helmet of salvation, the, the, the shoes for, for helps us uh, walk in and taking the gospel to different places. All this armor takes on a whole new significance. Why? Because zeal is moving it. Zeal needs it. And zeal is wasted on the young people because you need wisdom with zeal. And zeal will get us in all kinds of battles on its own, but it's not just zeal, it's wisdom as well. Coming with zeal. But God must give us the impetus to overcome the inertia in our lives. And the zeal of the Lord is about to, to do this in our midst. Oh, I look forward to this. I look forward to seeing the cult untied. I, just, I look forward to seeing the cult untied because the master has need. Oh, Father, thank you for what a day, for what a year we're going to have. The things we're about to do, the things we're about to see. And Father, I have faith in your zeal that you will accomplish this in your people. And the people of God said, Amen. 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 Woo! Well, God bless you next week. There's going to be a bringer plate. We've got tea and coffee here for us. After we've had that, we'll put the toys out for is, is it mums and tots this week, isn't it? So stay and have a cup of coffee, tea. There's no cafe today. God bless you.